You're listening to the SLP Book Club. We're your hosts, Laura Geisert and Adrian Frost. This month, we're reading Take Time for You by Tina Bogren. Let's get into it. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Laura. Welcome back, everyone, to the SLP Book Club podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing the conclusion of our book for May, Take Time for You by Dr. Tina Bogren. But before we get started with the book, we're going to do another little SLP hot topic. And today, we're talking about something that I saw Panda Speech on Instagram bring up. This is scope of practice for SLPs versus scope of competence. Obviously, SLPs are responsible for such a wide range of disorders and not even disorders. You could be a dialect coach. You could be working on someone's voice. You could be working on swallowing. I mean, our tick, language, autism. There's so, so much that you could be working on. And a lot of times we feel like we have to be doing it all and know, you know, be up to date on the newest research in all these areas. But is that ethical for us to be treating everything? Okay, well, I have some thoughts on this. And I feel like grad school programs, you know, they try to give us the most comprehensive education they can. And I think it's pretty good. I mean, there's some gaps, but like you said, the scope is so broad that all they can do, I think if you are educated in, you know, the like big five, like voice, language, arctic, fluency, and then neurological disorders and swallowing, that you're going to be okay. And then the rest of it is sort of up to you to kind of specialize. So sometimes I put myself in the parent's shoes and I think, okay, Maybe your child stutters and you can get free services through the school. And I think that's great. I say take advantage of that fully. I think it's good to have an IEP in place for things like accommodations. Children who have fluency disorders often need some different accommodations in the classroom. And I think that's okay. But for me, if it was my child, I would be seeking out a professional outside speech therapist who is specialized in the area of fluency. Like Laura, that is your area of expertise and interest. And I can tell you as a school-based SLP, I know how to treat fluency disorders. So I know the strategies. I know the modifications. We can work on it. We can work on awareness. We can work on self-acceptance. We can work on all of these things that need to happen. But at the same time, I have only really gotten the basic sort of education on it. I haven't done a lot of the deep diving that needs to be done. Like you have Laura taking extended CEUs in this subject. And I think not to be like so on my soapbox or going on a monologue, but I wish parents knew that outside speech therapists are also your friend. And I think depending on the child, sometimes the best course of action is to have both speech services through the school and through a private practice. I think that's going to be your most comprehensive bet. And I am not trying to say that a school speech therapist is not educated in these areas because they are. And I personally have had students on my caseload before where 
you know, I might not be as educated with what they have going on. So I am seeking out CEUs. I am reading information on my free time to learn how to best help this child. And so I don't know, I just think this whole jack of all trades, master of none conundrum also contributes a lot to imposter syndrome with speech therapists. Yeah. And I think it's really hard for speech therapists when they're confronted with something to just say, you know, I don't feel comfortable treating this and I want to get outside help or I want to refer you to someone else. We're more likely to throw ourselves into a little bit of quick research, some Google searches, searching the ASHA, you know, all the journals that you can get articles on rather than just saying, hey, this isn't really an area. I think that you probably need a specialist or I need to call in somebody. You know, maybe that's not an option in a lot of schools. If you work in a big district like I did, my district did have we had AAC specialists who had specialized AAC slippers too. You know, an AAC specialist came out and assisted Anyone who was doing any AAC assessment did trials of devices from no tech to low tech to high tech, read through your report and helped you with it. I mean, from start to finish, you got like total support from your specialist. And then if your student did get a device, they would send out their SLIPA. They would train you on it so that you could train the parents and the teachers and the paraprofessionals. We also had deaf and hard of hearing specialists. That would be an area where I would feel totally incompetent if if I'm being honest if I had a deaf student or a a student who was really hard of hearing and I have in the past but it is great to be able to contact the specialist in your area who can come out to your school and see your kid and give you advice on how to treat and same with stuttering we had a stuttering specialist Mm -hmm. so that's not an option if you're in a smaller school district probably they probably don't have the resources you don't have 800 slps or whatever it was in the district i worked at maybe it was 500 i agree with you on the on the stuttering thing you know i have one client who we ended up connecting specifically because his mom wanted someone trained in the Lidcom program. And she had taken him to several speech therapists before finding me. And it was just a little, you know, taking him to sessions, doing some turtle talk. He was three years old and not not working with the parent at all. And, you know, I think if you're a speech therapist treating preschool stuttering and you're not comfortable working with the parents and you don't know what to do to train the parents to work with their kids when they're not with you, then you need to pass it off. You need to refer out to someone who specializes because there is this window of time where it's really important. And since specializing, I see that clearer than ever. And I certainly was never one to I always just took on whatever came my way when I worked in the schools. But this is part of the problem is that a lot of districts discourage. I mean, I don't even I think legally a speech therapist that is working for a district cannot say, I think you should seek outside services, right? Because then the minute we say that it looks like a recommendation from the district and then the parents could try to pin the cost of the outside services on the district. So it's also sometimes really hard feeling like my hands are tied when it comes to communicating with the parent about what I think is really best for their child. So it's really tricky. And I also would encourage speech therapists, especially those who are kind of new in their career, to give it a couple years, see what's interesting to them, see what comes naturally to them, 
And then, you know, lean into that. Why not try to specialize in something and then kind of receive some more training on it, maybe see some outside clients on the side, make a little extra money, improve your skills. I think there's a lot of ways to improve on that. So have you ever had a kid with a very severe tongue tie? No. Like the type where the tip of their tongue is all the way down and it's bifurcated because when they try to stick it out, the way you have to be so delicate about the way you tell parents about it. Because if you say, hey, you need to talk to a doctor. I only had one where I was like, this tongue tie is having a really serious impact on your child's articulation, you know, in my head. Yeah. But if I said that to the parent, you know, I had to just tiptoe around it. I would just have your pediatrician check that out. <laughs> you know, you can't say the tongue tie right. is making your child unintelligible. He cannot physically make these sounds. You just can't say it because you could get your district into trouble. And yeah, that's uh, so annoying. <laughs> I know. It's really tricky. And this is such a huge topic. It's like, Us talking about it for 10 minutes is not even really going to scratch the surface. No, but it is a serious thing because like we're not even talking about the other side of the SLP coin, which is adults. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So like we leave school with a lot of education and pretty much I think you're in a good place to treat adults or children when you graduate. But once you like make a decision, okay, I'm going to be in a hospital. And if you're in a hospital for five years, you will not be able to just walk into a school and help all those kids. Those skills probably have kind of atrophied. There's no way I could walk into a hospital right now and be like, I can do per diem. (laughs) I would need to be taking some like CEUs, really brushing up. And sometimes I'm talking to people just like in my life and they'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, my father-in-law just had a stroke. What would you do? And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) I can give the broadest of advice, but- You have to be sort of humble to admit, I'm just not the best person for that job. Sorry. Yeah. Ask me eight years ago. Sure. (laughs) I might be able to give you some good advice. Ask me about kids with autism. I've been doing that day in, day out for years. (laughs) I can help you with that. (laughs) Yeah. No, you see those people who make the switch mid-career. And yeah, I feel like I would have to do fully do another internship. Right. You know, I would need two months working under someone, supervising me, watching them do a lot of therapy because I wouldn't feel comfortable. And sometimes you just have to say that. This really isn't my area. Sorry. Right. And I think this is where... Yeah, ethics start being brought into the conversation, right? And I think speech therapists as a whole are so, we love our ethics, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's about honoring ethics in all areas, you know. Yeah. And don't let your pride get in the way, you know. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And especially with parents, I think that a lot of times we have this fake it till you make it attitude, you know, in the IEPs and whatever. It's like, you don't want to show parents maybe that you don't know the answer to something or you don't know how to treat something. And that can get you into trouble. Just it's always better to be honest (laughs) about stuff and admit when you don't know something until you can figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We barely scratched the surface. We might come back to that at some point. But for right now, we'll leave it there. And stick around after a quick break. We're going to conclude Take Time for You. The SLP Book Club is not just a podcast. It's a community. 
Go to our Instagram at SLP underscore book club to join the discussion and connect with us after each episode. Want even more of the SLP book club? The resources we make to support the content of the books we read are available for free on our Patreon or at the Laura G. SLP Teachers Pay Teachers store. You can find links to them in the show notes. To learn more about the SLP book club, go to the slpbookclub.com. You can contact us by emailing hello at the slpbookclub.com. Follow us on Instagram at slp underscore book club or on TikTok at the SLP book club. So now let's get into the conclusion of Take Time for You by Dr. Tina Bogren. In her final, it's not even a chapter, just final thoughts, Tina tells us about how after she implemented her self-care action plan one year, she went back to her doctor for her yearly checkup and her doctor was so impressed because her weight was down, her skin was glowing, she had perfect blood pressure, she wasn't exhausted or stressed, she didn't have low self-esteem or mild anxiety anymore. So her hope for us is that if we've really taken the time to meet our needs, we'll get the same validation. And she says to use the following sections in the book to celebrate how far you've come. And I just wrote a note, I'm not there yet. Because, <laughs> you know, we kind of whizzed through this book. We released two episodes a week. So we're not really taking the full time. I'm still really working on the first couple levels up to belonging, maybe. Yeah. You know, I am prioritizing my health a lot. I've been doing a lot of them, but not really at the point where I can reflect. But if you are there, if you are listening over an extended period of time, you're really taking the time to work through the steps in this book, then it's time to take a self-care survey and it's a growth check. So you take it and you see how far you've come and there are statements for each section and you check off if it applies never, rarely, sometimes, often, or always. So things like I got at least seven hours of sleep or I felt safe at school, I felt included and respected at home, I spoke kindly to myself. I had a positive outlook on the future at home or school, and I felt a sense of gratitude or engaged in mindfulness. So it's this, you know, a list of all these different areas and you check off where you fall and then you answer some questions about the self-care survey, basically just journaling about the results you got, what has changed for you, what challenged you, and what areas you still need to focus on. And then Tina also encourages you to take a new daily time audit, see how things have changed with how you're spending your time. If you're spending a lot of time on low value tasks, what things are energizing you and whether you're spending a lot of time doing things that energize. And then in the appendix, you can create a self-care plan that you will carry forward with the strategies you will always use to make sure your needs are constantly being met. So she says to fill it out, make copies of it, and post it in multiple places so you can always reference it. And then Tina leaves us with her final words, and I quote, My greatest hope is that you are now living your best life as both an educator and a human being, and that you feel the gift of connecting to something greater than yourself. Thank you for taking the time to secure your own oxygen mask first. This might be the single greatest gift you've ever given to yourself or those you love. Go live your very best life as an educator and a human being. Continue working to meet your needs and strive to fully thrive. I am cheering you on. Oh, Tina. <laughs> I love her. Some final thoughts from me. 
when you work in the schools, it can be so hard to stick to something like this. So I just was kind of running through a plan that I would have. I think accountability buddies are essential. If you can find another staff member or another SLP friend, maybe even at a different school who wants to do this work with you, that would be great. Both get the book and work through it together and check in with each other every day, maybe, or a few times a week. And then you can really work these strategies into your daily routine at school. So, you know, things like for physiological, just meal prepping, bringing big bottles of water, bringing healthy snacks and lunch to school, walking as much as you can, even if that's just walking to pick up your students instead of calling for them or things like that. Safety. I mean, we talked about that. If you don't feel safe at work or at home, advocate for yourself, change something, do whatever it takes to make you feel safe. Belonging, just being more present. I know I've talked about when I switched to part-time, I was finally able to be more present with my students and just enjoy them and not, I didn't have that running list of things I needed to get done, just going constantly while I was trying to work with kids and feeling a lot of stress. But you know, you can't, you can't get there until you meet your physiological needs. And then esteem, being nice to yourself. I like the idea of using affirmations. I don't usually do it. I told you I like to do the ta-da list at the end of the day, celebrating what you accomplished. You can do that at school. When you get to the end of the day and you didn't complete everything, at least you could make a list of what you did get done and maybe you'd be surprised how much you did. And then we just went over self-actualization and transcendence, you know, working gratitude and mindfulness into your school day, even in little tiny bursts, like one minute at a time can really make a big difference. So I just think when you're ready for it, this book could be a real lifesaver because you can't keep going if you're completely drowning and you're on the verge of burnout and you have to make changes and take care of your own needs first and foremost when you're doing this type of work. Yeah, I agree. I think it can be a little overwhelming to look at each step of the ladder and be like, oh my gosh, like there's so many things to change in each area, especially when you're really drowning. But I think the framework of the ladder is really helpful because it just kind of tells you like, just focus on the first rung, just drink some more water. Yeah. And then you take a next step up and then you do one other thing. And I think it's a little bit of a cumulative effect. So once you start making all these changes, hopefully you're starting to see some forward progress. But I do think when you're coming from a really toxic work environment or you're really stressed or really burnt out, at first it can feel like pushing a boulder up a hill just to make the changes. But I've had a couple of really great weeks since we started covering this book where I have been cutting out bad behaviors and, you know, doing more good behaviors. And I have been kind of feeling like Tina reported like, oh, my skin's kind of glowing. My energy is up. I feel more rested. Things that would bother me aren't bothering me as much. I feel more resilient. So I think this is a great book. And maybe it's a good one to tackle over the summer for some people. You know, if right now in May, it feels like too much at the end of the year, maybe just kind of like stick it on the back burner and try to get a plan in place over the summer. So when it's fall, you can really hit the ground running. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Tina has been so wonderful. We've connected with her on Instagram. She's just this bright, shining ray of gratitude. And she's always finding the joy in everything and doing these lovely posts. You can just tell she's really 
what did she say? Walking the talk. She always makes time for her family and she's enjoying her life and spending it with friends, but also doing tons of work. You know, you see her at all these trainings that she does for educators. And this is just somebody who started her life as a teacher and taken this turn in her career. She trains other educators. She really focuses on self-care and is really trying to make a big difference in the world of teaching. And I really admire that. And like I said, the last episode, I started listening to her podcast. It's called Self-Care for Educators. I recommend it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. They're only eight minutes it's long usually and she just gives little challenge a Mm. lot of challenges for the week or you know little things so the one I was listening to where she mentioned snooze was she was challenging everyone to give one really genuine compliment to a stranger every day and you know we've talked about that it does I love complimenting strangers. (laughs) I don't do it enough. Yeah. So yeah, that's my little love letter to Tina. (laughs) Thank you for giving us this wonderful book. And we really appreciate you. Yes. Thank you, Tina. Okay. So next week, we will be starting our new book for the month of June. We are reading The Seeds of Learning, a cognitive processing model for speech, language, literacy, and executive functioning by Tara Sumter. She is an SLP, and this was written by an SLP for SLPs. I think it's the first one we're reading written by an SLP, right? Yeah, I think so. Ah, it's exciting. (laughs) So yeah, we have a few books coming up that are written by SLPs that we're really excited to read and discuss. And this is the first I can't wait to make sure you get a copy so you can read along with us. And we will see you next time. Bye, Adrian. Bye, Laura. At the SLP Book Club, our mission is to learn, grow, and connect with other SLPs and educators. If you love what we're doing, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a rating and review wherever you listen. This helps other SLPs find the show so our community can grow even stronger. We appreciate you so much and hope you keep listening and reading along with us.